Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, 18. Tonight we're going to talk about being change agents. Being change agents. Why? Understand, we're in the midst of some major changes. Not only in, in this nation, but also in the body of Christ. And we know not all change is a good change. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, change for the sake of change isn't what we want. And that's why it's important to add vision to the changes that's taking place. Let me say it again. That's why it's important to do what? Add vision to the changes that's taking place. We need to get from God what we need to do in this coming year and years to be the change agents that he uses in the earth in this day and time. Let me say that again. We need to get from God what we, somebody say we, what we need to do in this coming year and years, amen, to be change agents that he uses in the earth in this day and time. Somebody say, God, use me. Somebody want God to use them. See, God doesn't just sovereignly manifest himself in the majority of what he does in the world. Come on. He doesn't just drop a bag of coins on somebody's head. Out of heaven. Come on, are you with me out here? No, what do he do? He uses people. Let me say it again. He uses what? People. And the change agents in the earth is the church. Somebody say the church. The body of Christ. So instead of change happening to us and us hoping it's a good change, let me say it again. Instead of change happening to us and we're hoping that it's a good change, we should proactively be a part of the Lord's purpose to bring change to pass. Okay, I got about two amens out here. Let me say it again. So instead of change happening to us and us hoping it's a good change, we should proactively be a part of the Lord's purpose in bringing change to pass. That means gaining from God vision. Which means revelation, mental insight in the Old Testament translation, but gaining from God what? Vision. Somebody say vision. Why? Here in Proverbs 29, 18, what's it say? Where there is no what? Where there is no what? Where there is no what? Vision. What happens to the people? The people what? Perish. Vision is what? Vision is mental insight. Vision, it is mental understanding or view of what the future holds or in store has holds or is in store for you. Let me say it again. Vision is mental insight. It's a mental understanding or view of what the future holds or what the future has in store for you. Let me say it one more time. Vision is what? Mental insight. For those of you who are taking notes. It is a mental understanding or view of what the future holds for you or has in store for you. See, vision always has to do with future. Why? You don't need a vision of what the past is. Or even what the present is. Come on, say amen, somebody. Vision always relates to your future expectation of what God is doing in you and through you. 
Let me say it again. Vision always relates to your future expectation of what God doing is God is doing in you and what through you. That's what begins to do what? That's what begins to form your behavior. Come on, that's what begins to form your decision-making process right now in this present. Come on, are y'all with me out here? Now, the second definition for the word vision is revelation. Somebody say revelation. Meaning, this isn't just human vision. Say it again. This isn't just human vision. It's something that has been revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Why? Because the last part of Proverbs 29, 18 says, but he that what? Keep at the law. What is he? What is he? Happy is he. In other words, embracing the word of God as your standard of living. Embracing the word of God as your standard of behavior. Come on, say amen, somebody. Is a prerequisite. Of receiving revelation of what the Lord has for you beyond the general will of God. Let me say it again. You want me to say it again? I know you want me to say it again. Embracing the word of God as your standard of living. Or embracing the word of God as your standard of behavior. Is a prerequisite are receiving a revelation of what the Lord has for you beyond the general will of God. Did you get it that time? One more time. Okay. Embracing the word of God as your standard of living, embracing the word of God as your standard of behavior is a prerequisite of receiving a revelation of what the Lord has for you beyond the general will of God or what is specific for to your life or for your life. See, it makes no sense in seeking God for this great vision. It makes no sense of seeking God for this great plan he has for you Without putting the word of God first place in your life and knowing the necessity of it. So vision comes under the new covenant, amen, through the ministry of who? The Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. Once again, it makes no sense in seeking God for this great vision that you're looking for. Or this great plan that he has for your life. Without putting the word of God when? First place in your life and knowing and understanding the necessity of it. And people don't have that. They don't have the word of God first place in their lives. Everything else is first place but the what? The word of God. So is that plan going to come to pass? No. Vision? No. 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, but as it is what? Written. I have not what seen, nor what ear heard, neither have entered into the what heart of man, the what? The what? The things which who prepared? Who prepared? God has what? Prepared that them that love him. Somebody say, that's me. Come on, say, that's me. Why? Because that is you. 
See, this indicates what he has prepared for you is far greater than your ability to naturally see it or naturally think of it. It says, I have not seen, nor ear what? Heard, neither what? Entered into the heart of man. So it's not going to come through some respected professor in college. It's not going to come from an aptitude test. It's not going to come anyway except verse 10. But God has revealed to them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches what? All things, yeah, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit reveals the things God has prepared for you. Come on, are you with me out here? Now, verse 11 through 13 tells us how we, can, how we can position ourselves to pray out the perfect will of God for us or be used to make intercession for others. Because it says in verse 11, for what man knoweth the things that man said the what? Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things that God knoweth, no man but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might what? That we might what? No things that are what? Freely given to us of who? God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches. But which the what? But which the what? The Holy Ghost teaches comparing what? Spiritual things with spiritual. What's it doing? It's talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. According to his perfect will for us. And then doing what? Then gaining understanding from the Holy Ghost. What that Holy Ghost prayer or what the interpretation of it is. Are you listening to me out there? Do you know you can pray in the Holy Ghost and ask God to give you the interpretation throughout your day? He said, pray that you interpret. See, that interpretation can come out and you just... Um, everything going well in your day. When I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, say, God, now I want an interpretation of it throughout the day. I want to see it in my life throughout that day, what I prayed for in the Holy Ghost this morning. Okay, y'all hear me. Are y'all with me out there? Amen. Glory to God. But once again, it's talking about what? Praying in the what? Holy Ghost. And what happened? You begin seeing things. He's prepared for you that you're not going to get anywhere else. Let me say it again. That you're not going to get anywhere else. See, it's been prophesied also this year, another one, that this is going to be the greatest year of change that this nation and the body of Christ has ever seen. So what we need to do, we need to pray about our part because why we're in, we're we listen we're the change agents in the earth and in this nation and in the caribbean okay i got a couple of amens we are the change agents so we need to pray about what our part in this change what does matthew 5 13 say Because God just doesn't flop change on everybody. 
It says in Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. But the salt has lost the savor wherewith shall it be salted. It is therefore what? Good for nothing but to be what? Cast out and to be trodden under the foot of man. It says you are the what? Light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. These two verses tell us that we are the change agents in the earth today. So as we pray about our part in our life, come on, say amen, somebody, or some in their ministry, come on, about the things that we're responsible for, because there are some things that we're responsible for. We will see those things that I have not seen, nor ears heard, night have entered into the what? Heart of man. But we know seeing and implementing are often two different challenges. So go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Let's see this first step in implementation of what we're talking about. Or implementing what we're seeing. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. We all know the scripture. And the Lord said... Answered me and said, write the what? Vision and what? Make it plain upon tables that he may run that what? That read of it. It says do what? Write it. It says what? It says what? Why? There's something supernatural about writing your vision down. Let me say it again. There's something supernatural about what? Writing your vision down. See, it's real easy. To get something you believe is from God. Get excited about it. And not write it down. And it begins to fade over a period of time. Come on, I'm talking to anybody in this room. And if you want direction and momentum. You want what? Direction and momentum. Because that's what it means when it says make it plain upon tables. That you may run that read of it. That you may what? Run. See, run means direction and momentum towards that vision. See, the results will be writing it down, writing it down, something that's writing it down. See, writing it down does something to you and for you, folks. All right, listen to me out there. Now, we're not talking about writing something and putting it in the file cabinet and never looking at it again like some people do. Come on. No, you write it down so you can what? You can read it so you can speak it. And the Holy Ghost will help you add to it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And it will become clear with each passing day. And it will become real. And guess what? You'll get to a place where you know that you know that you know. See, faith comes that this is God-given. And guess what? And it will be yours. Somebody say, it'll be mine. That's how you move your life into it. Let me say it again. That's how you what? Move your life into it. So writing it down plays a what? It plays an important place in your life. Tell your neighbor, it plays an important place in your life. Write it down, folks. Put it on your refrigerator door, 
your bathroom mirror, you know, those two places you frequent the most. <laughs> Read it every day. Talk about it. And what happened? You add to it, and it'll begin what? It will begin generating. Let me see. It's something now. It will begin generating a momentum and a direction towards that vision in your life. Did you hear what I just said? It'll begin what? It'll begin generating a what? Momentum and direction towards a what? The vision in your life. Anybody listening to me tonight? But that's only the first step. Tell your neighbor that's only the first step. This is what you do initially when you believe that God has given you something. Let me say it again. This is what you do what? Initially when you what? Believe God is what? Giving you something. Hallelujah. That is another thing you do. Because sometimes you have a vision that is so far out there. Anybody know what I'm talking about in there? And you just have no idea how to make a plan to even go in that direction. Okay, with me out there. I know there's things God has spoken to my heart that I have no idea even where to start. Now, we know there's practical things you can do. Amen. But the second thing that we need to do is found in Philippians 3.14. Turn there. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I see a lot of people taking notes. Y'all better taking notes in these services. You will not remember everything that I say. I don't know what you think you do. And I don't know you, unless you got a photographic memory or you got a tape recording in your brain. Hello. Philippians 3.14 says what? I press towards the what? The what? Say the mark. Come on, say the mark. For the prize of high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It says mark. It says what? It says what? Mark. See, marks are intermediate goals and objectives that take us towards the high calling of God. Let me say it again. Marks are intermediate goals and objectives that takes us towards the high calling of God. Are you with me out here? Marks are things you can do. You can do. You can do. Things you can make a plan for. Are you with me out here? Things you are able to do now that will take you into the direction of the high calling that you don't really know how to get to. You hear what I just said? Keep in mind now. Everybody's high calling is different. Your your high calling isn't the same as mine. Come on, you have a different collection of gifts. You have a different collection of talents and abilities, spiritual and natural. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
You have a different background, different experiences of life. Are you with me out here? Different cultural, come on, heritages, come on. Come on, we're talking about everything that goes into who you are. See, your destiny in God or your high calling is different from anybody else's. So, it, so he says there's a, he says here there's a prize. He said there's a, there's a prize that goes along with moving your life towards that destiny. Go to Hebrews 11.6. Keep your marker there. We're coming back. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. But listen, watch it now. That he is a rewarder. Of them that what? Diligently seek him. See, God and his word are one. God and his word are one. So seeking to do what his word is revealed to you or what you need to do is going to get rewarded. This means you get rewarded as you move your life closer and closer to that high calling. Let me say it again. This means you get rewarded as you move your as you move your life closer and closer to the what? To the high calling, closer to the things I have not seen, nor ear heard, or neither have entered to the what? The heart of man. See, we get an understanding of what that reward is by what? By considering the ultimate reward. And see, the ultimate reward is eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. We're talking about, you know, that's Zoe life. Zoe life. Vine's expository dictionary describes it as the God kind of life or life as God has it. So go back to Philippians 3.14. Because it says here, I press towards the what? I press towards the what? Mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And see, you can read it. You can read it like this. You can read it as the closer you get to your high calling. You hear me? The closer you get to your high calling, the higher quality of life you're going to experience. The more of the God kind of life you're going to experience. The closer what? The closer you get to your high calling. See, we're talking about a pattern of life. Tell you today, we're talking about a pattern of life. See, as you press towards the mark, I'm talking about those intermediate goals or objectives that will take you towards your high calling. That'll do what? That'll do what? Take you towards your high calling. 
your life will begin to generate a momentum in that direction. And as time passes, the closer you get to the high calling, the more of the God kind of life you're going to experience. Did anybody get that? Oh, you want me to say it again? <laughs> Once again, as you press towards the mark, those intermediate goals or objectives that will take you towards your high calling, your life will generate a momentum in that direction. And as time passes, the closer you get to that high calling, the more of the God kind of life you are going to experience. This is what that verse is saying. Are you with me out here? But the key word here is press. Somebody say press. Press towards the mark. In other words, something you can put in place to do. Or something you can put in a plan in place to do. See, you may not have an idea or any idea how to put a plan in place for that high calling. Are you listening to me out here? Let me say it again. You may not have any idea how to put a plan in place for that high calling, but you can move in that direction with an intermediate goal or objective. Let me say it again. You may, have, may not have any idea how to put a plan in place for the high calling, but you can do what? Move in that direction with a what? With an intermediate goal or objective. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, part of the press in that intermediate goal or objective is sowing seed in somebody else. Sowing your time, finances, talents, and fulfilling someone else's high calling. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And see, sometimes we view the word press in a natural sense or a natural light. But the big part of the press is spiritual. Let me say it again. The big part of the press is what? Spiritual. It's the seed. It's a prayer that waters the seed. It's the word that reinforces that seed. See, there are a lot of things involved in the press when you're moving towards an objective. Now, certainly there are natural things you'll see as part of any press. But the the word press actually actually means to pursue. And it means to pursue hotly. It means what? Pursue hotly. That means you're going after something. And you're going after, going after something with everything you know to do. A simple definition of the word press is maximum sustainable effort. Maximum what? Sustainable effort. Maximum what? Sustainable effort. See, it's easy to make max effort for about one minute and then take a break and rest. 
Amen? Or you can make minimum effort indefinitely. <laughs> Are you following me out here? See, you have to find that place. You have to find out what? That place where you can sustain an effort. Because why? That's, the, that's what commitment is. And you'll never achieve anything that you're not committed to. Let me say it again. You have to find that place where you can sustain an effort because why? That's what commitment is. And you'll never achieve anything that you're not what? Committed to. So the press should be seen in a natural application as well as a spiritual application. This is Wednesday Bible study, right? As you pray in the Holy Ghost, folks, he'll show you your part in being a change agent. Are you with me out here? And what that change agent should look like in your life. See, if you can put a plan in place for whatever he shows you, he'll help you see the intermediate goals and objectives you can do now. To press towards that will take you towards your high calling. Let me say it again. If you can get to get put a plan in place for whatever he shows you, he'll help you see that what? That an intermediate goal and objectives you can do now to press towards. Amen. That will take you towards that what? That high calling. Then once you see these things then the press is going to be necessary. Let me say it again. Then once you see these things, the press is going to be what? Necessary. Understand that your carnal nature, just your flesh will generate enough resistance that if you don't press, that if you don't press, if you don't make your best Effort, then it's not going to be long term and it's not going to last very long. Why? Because that's just the way the flesh is. Have you found out the flesh doesn't want to cooperate, cooperate with you on things? Listen, the flesh does not want to cooperate with the things that are important to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Whether it's going to be a diet. Are getting in better shape. Have you found out your flesh isn't all in? Hello. Your flesh does not want to cooperate. And without a strong commitment. Without a what? Strong commitment. You'll wake up about, you'll wake up about 2 o'clock in the morning thinking about that guava tart and the ice cream in the refrigerator. And next thing you know, you'll be eating that guava tart and that ice cream in the refrigerator. <laughs> You're going to have to make the kind of commitment 
that's going to enable you to carry through. Come on, are y'all with me out here? But the biggest challenge is not going to be your flesh. It's going to be, your biggest challenge is going to be the demonic resistance to the plan of God that you are a part of and that you are a piece of. Let me say it again. The biggest challenge is not going to be your flesh. Your biggest challenge is going to be the demonic resistance to the plan of God that you are part of or you're a piece of. See, that demonic resistance, listen to me now, that demonic resistance will be there the moment you begin moving your life towards a God-given goal or objective. I hope you hear me tonight. I'm teaching you tonight. This is Bible study, right? Let me say it again. That demonic resistance will be there the moment you begin moving your life towards a God-given goal or objective. Come on. There's no mistake about it, folks. There are demonic assignments against every believer. Now, that's not supposed to make you nervous because why? He's already been defeated. But he's only defeated to the extent that you inadvertently cooperate with him that he can do anything. He got to get you to what? Cooperate with him. But there are assignments against every believer. And you can see it throughout the word of God that are designed to thwart the plan of God unfolding in this earth one believer at a time. And there's another passage of scripture that talks about reaching this high calling of God. Look at James chapter 1 verse 2. There's another passage of scripture here that talks about reaching the high calling of God. James chapter 1 verse 2. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? Come on, are you listening? You got to listen closely tonight. If you doze off and get distracted, you can be saying, where, and where is he at? James chapter 1 verse 2 says, my brother, and count it all what? Count it all what? Joy. Joy when you what? Fall into diverse temptations knowing this. <laughs> that the trying of your patience work of patience. Work of, trying of your faith work of patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be what? Perfect and what? Entire and wanting nothing. I have a question for you. Does perfect and entire wanting nothing also sound like the high calling? It is synonymous with the high calling. See, this destiny that God has prepared for you, that I has not seen, nor ear heard, not enter into the heart of man, when you arrive at that place, you'll be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. See, perfect means finished. It means having arrived at God's plan for your life. Something in it, it, it means sometimes it means me, I'm mature. I've got there. I've reached there. 
The word entire means whole in every part. The word entire means what? Whole in every part. Not just whole in your body, but your marriage is jacked up. Not just whole in your body and whole in your relationship, but you don't have enough money to, what do, to do what God has called you to do. Entire means whole in every part. In every part. In every part. Whole in every aspect in your life. And it's all summarized in wanting nothing. Somebody say wanting nothing. And this is where God wants every one of us to be. Oh, my goodness gracious. Back in the back, because I don't know what's your people up here. This is, where, this is where God wants every one of us to be. Because <laughs> they didn't respond at all. I don't even know if they were listening. Uh, <laughs> this is where God wants all of, all of us to be. But if you're covered up with wants... If you're covered up with unfulfilled desires and needs, how much of our life and energy can be given to doing with God the big things God wants us to do? See, God wants you in a position of wanting nothing perfect and entire. Let me say it again. God wants you to be in a position of wanting nothing perfect and what? Entire. This is where we want to go, folks. This is where we want to be. I guess I'm the only one I want to be there. Me and my wife. Okay, all right. Thank you. But think about this. Spiritually, you're already there. You're there already. See, that's the real you. The real you is already healed. The real you is already delivered. The real you is already set free. The real you is already prosperous. The key is we just got to get to, we just got to believe it and eternalize it to the degree to where we see the natural line up with the spiritual truth. Perfect and entire, wanting nothing is the same as a high calling we are to press towards the mark or intermediate goals and objectives. Let's look at this closer. Look at verse 2 again. My brethren, do what? Do what? Count it all joy when you fall into what? Diverse temptations. Temptations means test of trials. Means what? Test of trials. Now, when you read this, you know, you think, how can I ever count it all joy when things don't look good right now? When there's a lot of resistance showing up. Come on, say amen, somebody. Circumstantial resistance to what you believe you need to do. Let me say it again. Circumstantial resistance to what you believe you need to do. It's hard to count it all joy but you can if you know what verse 3 says. Knowing what? 
knowing this, that the trying of your faith worker, what? Patient. It's all about the trying of your faith. And you know who's trying your faith. Or you can say, you know who's putting pressure on what you believe. You know it's not God. Because he says in verse 13 of James chapter 1, he says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. He said, don't even let it come out your mouth that the Lord is behind that temptation. That the Lord's behind that test of trial. Don't even say it. Why? Listen, you've lost the battle before it's even begun if you begin thinking God is behind these things. So we know who the tempter is. We know who the tempter is. What I got to do, Father Abraham? Y'all got to sleep in here. He's the what? He's the enemy of your soul. And guess what? And it's about your faith. Let me say it again. It's about your what? It's about your what? Faith. It's about what you believe. The enemy is circumstantially resisting what you believe. Come on, think about it. God has spoken to you about your life. Whether it's something in written word, I mean, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, you decided to believe that. Now, the enemy is in the business. This is what he does. What's he do? He resists. The unfolding plan and purpose of God in the earth. He knows what his destiny is when the plan of God is manifested. Come on, y'all. He's also aware that God brings his plan to pass by doing what? By working with cooperating free moral agents like you and me. See, God doesn't impose on anybody. He, persu- he persuades us through the word, and he persuades us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to do what? To gain cooperation from free moral agents to bring his plan to pass. Every one of us has a piece of that plan. Say it again. Every one of us has a piece of that plan so the enemy can resist the plan of God for your life. He sees it as delaying his destiny in the lake of fire. Anybody with me out here? And he, right, he has the right to do it in the natural world. Why? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, which talks about him, it says, whom the God of this world has what? Blinded the minds of them which believe not. Isn't that what it says? Who's the God of this world? Satan. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should what? Shine unto them. See, he's the God of this natural world. And he'll hold that title to the end of this dispensation. Meaning he has legal right. But what does it mean to be God of this world? 
What's it mean to be godless world? That means he has the authority, originally intended for Adam. He has the authority to manipulate circumstances and people that, 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 that don't know any better than to cooperate with his influences to bring pressure to bear against what you believe in any arena. He does what he can to do what? To resist the unfolding plan of God in your life. And we know from the word of God, he can't keep the word of God from producing fruit. Because Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not be what? We're in what? Well doing, for in what? Due season, we shall reap. If we what? Faint not. So as long as we don't get weary and due season will pass and you'll keep and you reap your harvest. Meaning, see, he can generate circumstantial resistance or pressure to the will of God for your life. Why? This is what he does. Let me say it again. He can generate natural circumstances, resistance or pressure to the will of God for your life. This is what he what? This is what he does, folks. That's how he tries your faith. Come on, he knows the word. See, he knows he can't interfere with the plan of God for your life unless he can interfere with what you believe. Let me say that again. He knows he can't interfere with the plan of God for your life unless he can interfere with what you believe. Jesus said, according to your faith. And the devil knows that. Come on, say amen, somebody. So he goes after what you believe. And the only way he can go after what you believe is through contradictory circumstances. That's it. If he can get you to believe something contrary to the word. For example... People get excited about prosperity. Abraham's blessing is mine. Come on, I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Come on, say amen, somebody. They get excited about prosperity. And they, they understand the whole kingdom, you know, how the whole kingdom works. Amen. They know the whole kingdom works on the principle of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, right? Come on, say amen, somebody. And they know they need to tithe. And they know they need to give offering above their tithes and offering. Tithes, come on. In order to what? Enable the Lord to tap into what the word says about prosperity. Well, some of y'all know it. But what happens then? Then months pass. They don't see the windows of heaven opening up. (laughs) At least by their standard... Or at least by their definition. 
Come on, are you with me out here? Well, then a year or two passes. Their financial condition doesn't seem to change. Understand this. Now, the enemy doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't know what you're thinking, so he listens to what you say. And he watches what you do (laughs) according to the circumstantial pressure that he continually applies or turns up. Oh, somebody's getting this. You want me to say it again, huh? (laughs) The enemy doesn't know what you're thinking. So he listens to what you say and he watches what you do. He watches you put that money back in your pocket. (laughs) Oh, come on now. Let's be real. Come on, say amen, somebody. He watches what you do according to circumstantial pressure that he continually applies and even turns up. The target for him is to get you to say, I've been been doing this for a year. I ain't seen no results. I'm still broke. Car still broke down. House still jacked up. That stuff don't work. That's all false teaching. What's it all do? It's all designed to change what you believe. It's all about the trying of your faith. Oh, somebody's getting this. This is the way you need to understand. Listen to me now. This is the way you need to understand the daily warfare. Daily warfare that we're engaged in, folks. It's not a cluster of demons we're engaged with that we have to shoot down with prayer. Warfare on a daily basis has to do with our belief system. Say it again. Warfare on a daily basis has to do with our what? Belief system. That's the only way the enemy can thwart the plan of God in your life. It's by what? By putting pressure on what you believe. Whether it's in your body, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your finances, whatever you believe is the will of God for your life. Come on now. He hears what you're believing. He hears what you're believing. And you're loading him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Here's what you're what? Believing. So don't be so naive just to think he's just going to leave well enough alone, folks. What do he do? He'll do what he can to do what? Generate pressure. But guess what? He can't stop the promise. <laughs> oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Once again, he'll do what he can to generate pressure, but he can't stop the promise. That's why we go back to James chapter 1, verse 2. That's why James says, my brethren, count it all joy. Count it all what? Joy when you what? Fall into diverse temptation, knowing that if you don't change what you believe. If you don't change what you believe. If God said he's going to build the house, you don't change what you believe. If God said you're here, if you don't change what you believe. If God said your children are coming off, if you don't change what you believe. But let patience have a perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now you can count it all joy. This is where we're headed, folks. Tell your neighbor, this is where we're headed. Come on. This is where we're headed. Thank you, Lord. And see, he can't do anything about it as long as you don't cooperate with him. But this is a daily warfare. He's listening and watching your actions. Because he's trying to just check you out to see if you really believe what you say you believe. He's watching your facial expressions. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. You go around. Look. He said, ha, ha, ha. He said, I got him. Let me turn it up. Because he's watching. When he sees you, has you down, he ain't just going to let up and say, okay, let me leave him alone. He turns it up, folks. So why are you giving him something to work with? He says, count it all. He says, count it all. Count it all what? That means he should never know what's going on in your body. He should never know what's going on in your finances. He should never know what's going on in your life. Because why? You're always smiling like nothing's going on. So why? So I can be entire. Wanting nothing. Perfect, entire, wanting nothing. Why? Because I know he can't change what I believe. And I don't have to see it to believe it. If I believe it, then I'll, I'll see it.
Come on up. If I believe it, then I'll see it. I don't have to believe it. I have to see it to believe it, folks. That's why I can count it all joy without seeing it. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. Come on, it's time to cheer up. Stop giving him ammunition. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, he's smiling from ear to ear when he see you depressed. He said, apply the pressure. Oh, they cooperate with me today. Turn it up. Let your hands say, I'm cheering up. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He said, count it all joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. He said, count it all joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I'm going through test and trial, I got to keep my joy. It's my joy that's going to get me through this thing. Hallelujah. Not me going around looking sad, mad, and disgusted. <laughs> that ain't never got you anywhere. But company. Because <laughs> people will join in with you. <laughs> Glory to God. You infect somebody else with all that sadness. You infect your own household with that sadness. You'd be surprised that stuff affects your entire house. Everybody going around looking depressed. But you can change that. The Bible said what? Count it. Count it. Count it. Count it. Some joy. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to the Lord.